It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. And hi again, everyone. Thank you for joining us on The Inner Life. I'm Chuck Neff. And today we're going to be talking about the Mass and the Eucharist. Uh, The Eucharist, I think we all know, is the source and summit of our Catholic faith. The Mass is where we very personally have what I like to call, and I like to remind myself, a one-on-one encounter with Jesus Christ himself. But if the polls are right, if the research is right, a lot of us don't believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And a lot of us, you know what, don't think it's all that important to attend Mass on Sunday. So what's going on with that? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Here to help us on the journey, our spiritual director back with us once again, Father Rob Kroll. Father Rob is a Jesuit priest and now director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary, that in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. Father Rob Kroll, welcome back. How are you doing today? Hey, Chuck. Good to be with you today and with our listeners, and I'm doing quite well, so thanks for asking. Yeah, you bet. And I uh, love talking about the Mass and the Eucharist. Uh, that's what we're going to do today, as we do every day. Mm-hmm. We'll open up our phone lines, and inviting you and our listening audience to join us. Uh, but Father Rob Kroll, get us started, and let's just get into some um, uh, Catechism 101, the Mass. What is it? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that might help us, Chuck, to get the ball rolling is to look at the various names that um, the Church gives to this celebration, and we can find a lot of this in the Catechism. But the Mass is called, for example, the Lord's Supper, so that's uh, a reminder to us that it's a sacred meal. Uh, Of course, it was instituted at the Last Supper by Jesus himself. So there's that whole reality of it being a sacred meal, and certainly we come up and we receive uh, actual food, uh, consecrated bread, consecrated wine, now the body and blood of Christ that we consume, and uh, it nourishes us. Um, So that's one name. Another name is we call it uh, a holy sacrifice, the sacrifice of the Mass. So that's important, too, because um, the altar is a table where we share this meal, but it's also an altar where we reactualize or represent, make present again, uh, that that one sacrifice of Jesus uh, at Calvary. Uh, so so the cross, as it were, is extended throughout history so that those of us who were not there uh, can touch it and participate in it. It's also called Holy Communion. We talk about that as Catholics, receiving communion. So that's an important word, uh, communion. So it, it's something that unites us as a people. You know, we all come up together and receive kind of from that one uh, loaf and that one cup, as it were, and, and so it's what makes us, um, it's the thing that really unites us most deeply uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then finally, you know, as you said, the Mass, right? We call it uh, going to Mass, the Holy Mass. Uh, the word, what I think a lot of Catholics don't know is the word Mass comes from the word Misa, and uh, that means to be on mission, to be sent out on mission. 
uh, ita misa est, you know, the, the mass uh, is finished, go forth. And, and so the idea is that as we leave church, as we leave the, the mass on Sunday or whenever we go, maybe during the week as well, um, we're sent out by Jesus to, to be his body. So what we receive, his, his body, the body of Christ, we also want to be and to live out in our daily lives. So mm-hmm. that's maybe something just to get things started. Father Rob Kroll is our spiritual director talking about the Mass and the Eucharist today. And let's open up our phone lines, inviting you and our listening audience to join us on the program. It's a toll-free phone number. If you'd like to uh, take part in the program today, 888-914-9149 and our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. But as we talk about the Mass and the Eucharist, what do they mean to you? And when did you come to know and understand the reality of the Mass and the Eucharist? Now, here's the other part of the question. For so many of us who have been away from Mass, and some, I understand, still are because of the the coronavirus, what was it like to uh, be unable for you to go to Mass and receive the Eucharist uh, maybe for many, many months? Then what was it like to return after such a lengthy time away from the sacraments? We'd love to hear your story again. Toll free if you'd like to join us, 888-914-914. Four nine and and then so Father Rob, I guess you know one of my questions is how do we begin to understand this better? I mean, I think for me, and I'm sure I'm not alone, um, that um, oh yeah, Sunday mass, and I try to get to daily mass as well, and it has become maybe routine, something we do, part of our life. But how do we move beyond the routine and just um, something that we, something that we do, rather than going and meeting the risen Christ? in the Eucharist. Right, yeah, it's a great question, Chuck. And, you know, for somebody like myself, a priest who celebrates Mass or con-celebrates Mass pretty much every day of my life, you know, it too can become, uh, if I'm not careful, kind of a routine or a mindless thing that we just kind of uh, get into autopilot. And so I think it is really important to talk about ways that we can approach it each time with uh, a freshness and an, an attentiveness. And, you know, I, I um, used to celebrate Mass on occasion for the Missionaries of Charity up in Minneapolis when I was living at our Jesuit retreat house um, in Minnesota. And, uh, in every single one of their sacristies around the world, the missionaries of charity have a sign in the sacristy for the priest to read as he's vesting and preparing for Mass. And it says, Dear Priest of God, celebrate this Mass as if it were your first Mass, your last Mass, and your only Mass. And that really struck me the first time I read it. And I think it's, uh, it's something that's, that's a great reminder for us that you know every single Mass is... Um, it is, as Vatican II says, the source and summit of our faith. Uh, it's the source because from the wounded side of Christ comes forth blood and water, symbolizing the Eucharist and baptism. And, you know, it's, it's really the nourishment that we need each and every day to do God's will and to uh, live a holy and charitable life. But it's also the summit, meaning it's the high point. It's, it's the most intimate way on this earth that we can be united with Jesus Christ and and through him with the Trinity. So, you know, it's it's something that's not always really flashy. It doesn't uh mesmerize us maybe in our senses, but but what's happening in a very quiet yet very profound way is the risen Christ is, you know, entering into our very lives. Sometimes I think about this, you know, I I imagine what it would've been like to be with Mary and Joseph, maybe to be Anna and Simeon in the temple and to be able to hold 
the baby Jesus in my arms. Like what you know, we might think, wow, that would have been awesome to actually cradle Jesus Christ himself. And that would have been. But I think we forget that in a, in a way, at every Mass, we're doing something even more profound. We're not just holding him. We're actually uh, bringing him into ourselves. You know, we, we feed on him, and he goes into us, into our souls, and, uh, and nourishes us from within. And, you know, when we eat or other food, a hamburger or whatever we're going to have for lunch today, when we eat that, it's broken down in our digestive system, and it becomes part of us. It's, it's absorbed into us. But when you think about the Eucharist, by, by allowing Jesus to come into us and be absorbed into our bodies, he actually is transforming us into him. He's, he's changing us into him to be more Christ-like over the course of a lifetime. So there's a lot happening, and uh, I suggest, too, just some very practical things that people might do. Like, for example, get to Mass, if possible, a little bit earlier than maybe you normally would, and just spend a little time quietly praying and preparing. Um, We might bring with us, you know, or maybe before we get to Mass, we've already looked at the Mass readings, so when we hear them proclaimed and we hear the homily, we've already kind of pondered and maybe applied them to ourselves. Um, the, the, the great Catholic apologist Matthew Kelly suggests that we bring a little notebook, one of those little tiny spiral notebooks that we can fit in our pocket. Just bring that to Mass, and when you hear something at Mass that strikes you, maybe one of the readings, maybe the homily, maybe a hymn, uh, just write down one thing from the Mass, then go home and talk about it during the week with your family. Try to maybe live it out you know, that week. And if you do that every week, pretty soon you have a little notebook filled with some uh, little nuggets. Um, so there are things like that that we can do. Vatican II does talk about a full, conscious, and active participation. Full, conscious, and active. So we don't want to go as if it's just a, a spectator sport, you know. We all come to Mass um, offering that sacrifice, and we can bring an intention, too. You know, every Mass that I celebrate as a priest, I offer for someone or some intention. You know, the lady can do the same, uh, bring an intention that they want to offer a Mass for. Hmm. Father Rob Kroll, our spiritual director, talking about the Mass and the Eucharist today. Phone lines are open if you'd like to join us. We'd love to hear your story. Toll-free number, 888-914-9149, our email address, relevantradio.com. But uh, what does uh, the uh, Mass, what does the Eucharist mean to you? And uh, for many of us, and uh, what's your story if you've been unable to go to Mass uh, because of the virus, and then after many months received the Eucharist, what was it? like for you to return and uh, after so much time away from the sacraments. Again, toll-free number 888-914-9149. So I had heard um, the, uh, the the sign in the you know the chapels of the Missionaries of Charity. I'd heard that a lot, but I, I just wonder, priest of God, celebrate this Mass as your first, your last, and only. I just wonder if that should be a sign for us. Men and women of God, children of God, go to Mass as if this were your first Mass, your last Mass, your only Mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it, it would apply to anybody uh, who makes the Eucharist a part of their life. And, you know, one, one of the stories that I often tell when I preach weekend retreats, um, it's a story of one of my heroes, Father Walter Chizik. Uh, he was a Jesuit um, who, uh, American Jesuit of Polish descent, and he was actually, as a young priest, sent to to minister to Polish Catholics, and he was arrested by the the Soviet by the Russians as a Soviet or a Vatican spy, and he spent three years in solitary confinement in this kind of infamous Lubyanka prison. And during those three years, he couldn't celebrate Mass because he was alone in the cell. 
uh, once he once he got out of there, he was assigned to uh, some uh, Siberian labor camps for twenty some years, where he did hard labor. But once he got there, and there were other there were other priests with him, uh, they were able to celebrate mass clandestinely, kind of on the work site where they were sent each day. And and he has a very moving passage in in this book that he wrote called "He Leadeth Me." Um, once he got back to the U.S., he was uh, exchanged in a prisoner exchange in the Cold War and came back and lived out his final years here. But he just talked about you know what an incredible privilege it was for him to once again be able to celebrate mass after having deprived being deprived of it for several years and then you know despite all the hardship and the fear of being discovered and you know and, and obviously this is like they're celebrating on a rock or a box and uh there's nothing you know not even the simplest church he says you know or he says even the simplest parish church could have provided much more warmth and comfort and beauty than what we had but he he talks about how emotionally touched he was at the end of these masses to realize that um, he had done something, you know, profoundly uh, important for the people of this kind of God-forsaken mm-hmm. land, as he calls it, and um, that he, he never let a day go by without saying Mass. So I'm sure he appreciated it much more having been deprived of it. And uh, so, yeah, I'd be curious. I hope some people do call in to maybe talk about their experience. Uh, here at the seminary, I was blessed because I was living with a large group of seminarians, and there were a number of, number of us priests. So even during that whole stay-at-home order thing, uh, we were able to have Mass daily. So I, I didn't really lose it. But I know some of the seminarians who were from other dioceses and went back to their families, you know, they, they weren't able to go to Mass, and they talk about um, how that was difficult and, and what a joy it was to finally be able to, to go back again. Father Rob Kroll, our spiritual director, talking about the Mass and the Eucharist. Uh, Father Walter Chiswick, uh, He Leadeth Me, one of my favorite books. I just am, it was absolutely amazed at this. And what I really found very, um, I don't even know what the word is, so I won't use one. They did, they, everybody, well, everybody thought he was dead. And he wasn't. Yeah, they hadn't I, heard from him. Right, they were offering Masses for him and everything. His Jesuit brothers back here. Yeah, nobody had heard from him. He was completely off the radar. And uh, so, yeah, it's a it is a great read. It's a it's not a very uh, long or, or difficult book to read, but it's very very profound and and uh, yeah, what a great joy that he could come back here and yeah. spend his final years. Well, you know, and then, I th- then I'm just thinking about the story as you t- tell the story again. The loneliness that he must have experienced in that uh, concentration camp, and uh, I mean, mm-hmm. family, uh, you know, brother priest, everybody thought he was dead, but the loneliness, right. Right. but when he could celebrate the Eucharist, finding the friendship, finding the love of Christ in the Eucharist, that had to be extraordinary. Indeed. And and I think the fact, too, that he wasn't celebrating those Masses privately, but he was, you know, celebrating it in the corner of some, you know, underground that was being built or whatever, but he was surrounded by, you know, by the faithful and, and that they really appreciated uh this opportunity to receive the Lord. And, you know, today we were asked to fast for an hour before Mass. Uh, in Father Chiswick's day, uh, and, and some older people listening might remember this, you know, you had to fast basically uh, from midnight on till, till when you received the Eucharist. And so in these labor camps, you know, you can imagine they were exhausted, I mean, and uh, were fed pretty poorly. But he said that they would willingly skip breakfast, you know, in order to wait until Mass was celebrated out at the work site. Uh, so, yeah, they went through great hardship, and it just shows a great, uh, an awesome love for the Eucharist, an amazing devotion to it. And, 
You know, speaking of that, when I mentioned that word devotion, I guess, you know, one thing we haven't mentioned yet, but we should probably talk about at some point, too, is, is Eucharistic adoration. And um, hmm. I think that's something that's being rediscovered, at least like in our seminaries uh, more recently. When, when I was going through formation, we didn't really have adoration much. And uh, today, I think that's a much more of a standard reality, and a lot of people in their parishes have adoration chapels. And so I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, in addition to Mass itself, we've kind of... Um, uh, rediscovered this great devotion to the Eucharistic Jesus and just being able to, to sit in his presence, you know. Yeah. We are talking today about the Mass and the Eucharist. What do they mean to you? And if you are just returning to Mass after not being able to go because of the coronavirus, what has it been like for you to return to Mass and receive the Eucharist? Father Rob Kroll is our spiritual director. It's a toll-free phone number if you'd like to join us. 888-914-9149. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is today's Gospel reading from the New American Bible. Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, The one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. You can find all the daily readings at relevantradio.com gospel or tap the prayer tab on the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. 
Thanks for joining us. I'm Chuck Neff, along with our producer, Nick Schmitz, Jim Shaper, answering your phone calls today. Father Rob Kroll, our spiritual director. Father Rob is a Jesuit priest, director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee, talking today about the Mass and the Eucharist. And uh, phone lines are open, 888-914-9149 is our toll-free phone number. You can email us, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. But as we talk about the Mass and the Eucharist, what do they mean to you, and when did you come to know and understand the reality of the Mass and the Eucharist? And, of course, uh, the other part of um, the question is, what has it been like for you to get back to Mass if you've uh, been unable to attend because of the uh, coronavirus? What was it like to return after such a lengthy time away? From the sacraments, again, toll-free number, 888-914-9149. And, again, our email address, life at Relevant Radio. Dot com. So, Father Rob Kroll, let's uh, take some phone calls for you. Let's start with Tiffany, listening in Helena, Montana. Hi, Tiffany. Thanks for the call, and welcome to the program. Hi, Chuck. Thank you. You guys were talking about, um, you know, mass becoming a routine and that sort of thing, and I am a mom of four very awesome little boys, um, but they are very busy, and going to Sunday mass is certainly not what it used to be for me. Um, You know, I am very busy trying to stay focused and participate in Mass myself, but also trying to keep them, you know, um, teach them how to do it and how to be there as well. And so it's kind of a very busy hour for us. And recently I was kind of getting bogged down with that. You know, I just started to grieve and miss Mass, if that makes any sense. I, you know, missing what it used to be for me. I was really able to focus on it, really able to enjoy. And I was preparing for my sister um, who was receiving the sacrament of marriage. And I wound up unplanned at a mass by myself. And as I was sitting there, it just really came into my heart that God had called me there um, and was calling me to more. And I got back and I looked into it, and my church, my beautiful, beloved church, offers a Mass on Wednesday evenings, which is a time that I am able to go. My husband is home from work, and so I have started doing that. And I've been going now for a couple months, and it's amazing. It has just once again, you know, changed my life. And I'm really able to focus and really contemplate Jesus in the Eucharist. That has probably been the biggest gift for me. I'm able to receive him, sit in quiet, and really acknowledge that that he is with me and he is there. And it's been kind of cool because going to this Mass, I'm able to pick up on little things, little cues that I take with me then to Sunday Mass with my busy family, and little parts throughout the Mass that kind of hook me back in. And I'm able in those very brief moments to be one with Jesus again. And so it's been really awesome and has really um, shaken up my routine. And I just love that I'm able to have it all. I'm able to enjoy it by myself like I used to, and I'm able to enjoy it with my beautiful family. So I just wanted to share that in case anybody else is out there, you know, kind of feeling the same way. Like maybe we're missing Mass a little bit. There's there's, he's always there for you, and he finds a way to, to come to you. Well, thanks, Tiffany, for calling in and sharing that uh, testimony with us. That's really beautiful to hear that you're able to both uh, bring your children and allow them to, even from a very young age, begin to uh, 
you know, get a feel for what mass is about. And even if they're not very conscious of what's happening, you're, you're, you're um, introducing them to something that hopefully will be a lifelong habit as it is for you and something very meaningful. But you're also able to, uh, you know, on Wednesday evenings have that experience of, of maybe a less distracted, you know, presence at mass. Um, and, you know, I, I guess what I want to say, too, is uh, just how much the Lord delights in the fact that you're taking your kids to Mass, even if that means that you're more distracted or not able to be as focused as you wish, you know. And and certainly, as I mentioned before, we want to come to Mass with that idea of having full, conscious, active participation. But the reality is, even on that Sunday, on the Sundays when you might not be as attentive as you'd like, you're still receiving uh the Lord Jesus in the Eucharist. You know, you're still hearing his word proclaimed, and and so he's operating at a level that is very deep and doesn't, in a sense, doesn't depend on on you. So, you know, not to say, that, again, I'm not trying to justify, like, having, we shouldn't go to Mass, you know, intentionally trying to be distracted or mindless, but just to say that, um, you know, even even when you're not as able, able to be as focused as you'd like, uh, you're still encountering Jesus, and he's still entering into you and, and working his grace within you. So that takes a little bit, maybe some of the pressure off. Um, and, and I think you make a good point, you know, for other people that might be listening, that if they can try to do the same thing, you know, or, or maybe get to an hour of adoration, if there's no mass offered in the evening, you know, maybe to go in the evening and just sit before the Eucharistic Jesus uh, in the monstrance, uh, that too can be very uh, helpful and make mass more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah. I don't know, Chuck, if you have any thoughts there. No, no, Tiffany, uh, thanks for the story. And, you know, and and she brings up a good point uh, for us, Father Rob, I think. I mean, uh, what do we do with distractions? I'm, you know, God bless her for taking these uh, these four four young boys, uh, very busy boys, uh, to Mass. Uh, I had a caller years ago on the program talk about his uh, children at Mass, and he described it as there are a whole lot of moving parts. (laughs) I just have (laughs) never forgotten that. But what do we do when there are distractions, and certainly I know in our parish we have uh, we have children who get noisy, and uh, we were actually a couple of weeks ago actually uh, one young uh, lady actually um, walked up on the altar during mass, and uh, father just sat there just like nothing was happening. It was all just part of the deal. And uh, but what do we do uh, with that? I, I know that some people do get distracted by that. For me, I just uh, acknowledge it, accept it, and just uh, move on and try to stay focused on what's going on. But but a lot of people, uh, we, we do get distracted at times. So what do we do with those? Mm-hmm. You know, as, as we're talking about this, I have this image now of my home parish when I was growing up. Uh, I don't know if a lot of parishes still have this, but they had what was called a crying room, you know, a glass-enclosed space where, where parents could bring their rowdy children and they could cry and, and act up, but nobody else would really hear them. But they could still look through the glass and see what was happening. So. Maybe that was a you know one solution, um, but there is you know well I would say in terms of of children uh, you know being present I I mean I think we have to remember this is a communal celebration too uh, and that we are the people of God and you know we all come with our you know just as we are and that means kids are going to be kids and so yes it can be a little bit distracting and it and obviously at a certain point you may need to remove you know walk out of the church with your child who's bawling or whatever but i think you know we have to be also rather indulgent and realize that you know it's good that we're all young and old you know rich and poor we're able to come together and you know be present 
as a community uh, with one another too, and that it, and that it is the Eucharist that kind of unites us into this body, and that takes on more real impact if we're gathered as a community. Um, but if we're just distracted ourselves, I mean, if, if, if I'm there and I get distracted, I, th- I think what you said, Chuck, you know, just acknowledge the distraction. Don't let it uh, disturb your peace, but just kind of gently bring yourself back and focus back uh, onto what's happening. I know, I know some people will bring with them um, a Magnificat or one of these publications that have the readings and the mass prayers, and so that can help too, maybe to actually look at a text in front of you as a way of kind of focusing your gaze and your attention. Um, so that might be a help if, if you find yourself regularly distracted. Yeah. Use, use a printed page, you know. Yeah. Tiffany, thanks again. Appreciate you joining us on the program. Father Rob Kroll, our spiritual director, talking about the Mass and the Eucharist. Uh, let's take another phone call. Steve, listening in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're up next. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Uh, hello, Father. I have a question here from a Missouri Synod Lutheran. Good morning. Okay. Question from a Missouri Synod Lutheran about the fine points of, I guess, the theology of how um, the Holy Communion Eucharist is viewed. And mm-hmm. it has to do with, was Christ's sacrifice sufficient for this forgiveness of sins? Um, I've heard it both ways in Catholic literature that, yes, it was. Later in the same book, says, no, we have to re-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So could you speak to that? Sure. Sure. Yeah, and I'm not a sacramental theologian, but here's here's my answer to that. Um, I think we Catholics are pretty clear that we uh, don't really talk about the Mass as a re-sacrifice. It's not as if um, the you know Jesus is being re-sacrificed every time on the altar, but rather there is the one sacrifice of Christ. Um, uh, but that sacrifice. Um, is, and I think I, I mentioned this before in the program, it's re-presented or re-actualized. So in other words, um, the one sacrifice of Christ, which is sufficient uh, to take away all sin, it is made present anew in our midst today. So it's not a new sacrifice, but it's rather the one sacrifice that um, is is made real or made tangible, as it were, in our midst. If I, Steve, if I can use this as an analogy or maybe a, something to think about, um, you know, for us as Catholics, all of our sacraments are a way of recognizing that human nature, being what it is, we're, we're a unity of material and immaterial, right? We have a body, and we have a soul. And so the sacraments, we see them as an effort to um, kind of respect that nature that we're given by God, that God created us with. And so each sacrament is a way in which the Lord continues to try to incarnate himself, as it were, or embody himself, you know, in our, in our midst. Um, we weren't there, you know, 2,000 years ago uh, when he was healing people and forgiving sins and when he, you know, sacrificed himself uh, on the cross at Calvary. And so we see the sacraments as a way for the Lord to continue his salvific work, you know, throughout history and over time and, and everywhere. And so, you know, to, to, you know, look at the other sacraments too, like if, if we believe that if we go to confession, if we go to the sacrament of reconciliation, you know, through the, the words and the gestures of that ritual today, the Lord 
forgives and heals in the same way that he was doing when he was walking the earth, you know, as a man uh, 2,000 years ago. So likewise with the Mass, we, when we come to Mass, when we participate, we participate in, in that one unique sacrifice, you know, in Milwaukee in 2020 today. So I don't know if that helps, but um, yeah, I would say that if you read something in Catholic literature about it being, you know, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ not being sufficient and it has to be re-sacrificed, I would say that's not accurate Catholic theology. It's more this idea that it's it's re-actualized, uh, represented. Um, so, yeah, Steve, does that help? Yeah, that matches our doctrine. Uh, with Missouri Synod, and okay. I think we're also very close on the transubstantiation, consubstantiation, because I get transubstantiation, uh, and we certainly believe that too, but then St. Paul talks about what you'd call consubstantiation, so I think that's why Luther used that term. <clears throat> so I think we're really close on a lot of things. I think that is very close, and for listeners that may not be familiar with those terms, you know, we Catholics would, would claim that through the doctrine of transubstantiation, that the bread and wine are, are actually transformed in their entire substance into the body and blood of Christ. So they still appear to us, in our, to our senses, as bread and wine, but that their reality is actually changed. And my understanding of consubstantiation is that while it is, it is actually the body and blood of Christ, um, it's also at the same time truly bread and wine. So there's a little subtle difference there. They kind of coexist. The bread and the wine, the body and blood of Christ coexist. Whereas I think for the Catholics, for our Catholic doctrine, we would say that the the bread and wine are actually transformed to the point where it is only substantially the body and blood of Christ. But yeah, yeah we're getting into kind of uh, technical uh, theological uh, reflection there. But but that these are the kinds of issues that you know the Church for two thousand years has had to uh, grapple with and and yeah. Uh, yeah. Steve, thanks for the call. Good to have you uh, on the program. We are talking today about the Mass and the Eucharist. Uh, what do they mean to you? And then the other part of uh, the question for you is uh, getting back to Mass after the coronavirus. What's uh, that been uh, like for you? Father Rob Kroll is our spiritual director. If you'd like to join us, toll-free phone number 888-914-9149. Stay with us. We'll be right back. struggling or searching for something more. If you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Father Rob Kroll is our spiritual director. Father Rob is a Jesuit priest and currently the spiritual uh, director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary, that in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, talking today about the Mass and the Eucharist. And um, 
What is uh, what do they mean to you? Toll free if you'd like to join us, 888-914-9149. And if you are just coming back to Mass because of the uh, pandemic, what's it been like for you to come back? Uh, we'd love to hear your story. And again, toll free if you'd like to join us, 888-914-9149. Just um, what are we? You were less than a month away from the election. A lot of uh, uncertainty. And as a Catholic, maybe you are unsure about how you should approach all of the issues and candidates. Well, Father Rocky, our... Our executive director here at Relevant Radio has written a book about using your conscience to make informed and moral choices when voting. Now, don't worry, Father Rocky's not going to tell you who to vote for, but he will provide clear, simple to understand Catholic teaching. Now, you can get your own copy of this brand new ebook, Vote Your Conscience. It's absolutely free, and uh, hopefully, it will help you uh, and guide you to form your conscience in this election year. All you have to do is go to relevantradio.com vote or sign up on the relevant radio app and as soon as you fill out the form your free ebook will be immediately ma- emailed to you in uh, vote your conscience uh, father rocky gives you valuable information about voting as a catholic and explains the church teachings that we must understand and consider when choosing how to vote again free copy vote your conscience you can get that today go to relevantradio.com slash vote or sign up on the relevant radio app and do it right now Father Rob Kroll, our spiritual director, let's head back to the phones. And Kelly, listening in Scottsdale, Arizona, thank you for waiting. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Thank you so much for taking my call. I just wanted to call and uh, share a a brief story about being able to go back and receive the Eucharist after uh, the quarantine where we couldn't go to Mass. Uh, Our parish, we weren't able to watch Mass at that parish. It just would never uh, come through the computer and just kind of... So we... We're watching masses around the country, even around the world during that time. And this one Sunday, I just said to my husband, let's try our parish, St. Anne's again. And and he tried it, and it worked. And we watched mass, and this was just, I felt like the Holy Spirit was just very much leading us that day. And at the end of mass, our pastor announced that if we wanted to come to the church over the next hour and receive communion, we could. And... I just looked at, I had, you know, I was in workout clothes and I said to my husband, we have to go. So we, we cleaned up and we, we went and it was just, I can't explain any feeling other than complete and utter joy. And I just cried the whole time. It just meant that much to me. Um, and like Father Kroll said, act like it's your first, you know, celebrate Mass as if it's your first Mass, your only Mass or your last last I'm sorry I didn't know I'd become over overcome with uh, such emotion but it was so meaningful and our parish did such a fantastic job our, our our pastor just he added masses so more people could come and it it just he made it very safe so you weren't distracted by covid you felt very you know comfortable and spaced out and they took all of these precautionary measures and it it was it was like coming back for the first time i felt like it was my first holy communion and uh, i think i could appreciate it more than i did when i was 7 years old and it was just it was just a beautiful experience and um i just wanted to share that well thank you very much kelly and yeah no need to apologize about the emotion i mean your tears are probably the most eloquent uh, language of how beautiful the Mass is and how much it meant to you and does mean to you. So, yeah, just thanks for sharing that. And, yeah. and uh, maybe, maybe the, you know, the unfortunate 
reality of having it deprived made it uh, all the more meaningful for you and and uh, so hopefully our listeners will be touched by that, too. So, yeah, yeah thanks for calling. Yeah, Kelly, God bless you. Thanks uh, for uh, sharing the story with us here on The Inner Life today. So, Father Rob Crow, we hear a call like that, and we know just by listening to Kelly, she understands and believes and knows of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. For somebody listening today who may have questions about it, maybe does not believe that Christ is present in the Eucharist, what would you say to that listener today? Yeah, I guess I would go back to some of the things I was saying to Steve uh, a little while ago in that I just think, you know, we have a God who is not some abstract, you know, God in the sky that um, stays aloof from our human life and, and our earthly life, but is always looking, especially, you know, given our bedrock belief in the incarnation that God takes on our broken humanity. He enters into this messy and broken world to redeem it. You know, I I, I see the Mass especially, but all the sacraments as just opportunities for God to step into our world again, you know, here and now in our history, and to continue his saving work in our midst. And so I, I would explain it in terms of that, just going back to kind of our Catholic anthropology, our Catholic view of the human person. We're not angels. Um, we're, you know, human beings created by God with a, a body and a soul, and we bring together those two realities. And so spiritual realities, invisible mysteries, God's grace, it's always looking to incarnate itself, to embody itself, you know, through uh, material stuff, bread and wine, oil, um, water and baptism. Uh, God gives us rituals. You know, Jesus, um, you know, he took mud and rubbed it on people's eyes to heal them, or he laid hands on them, he shared a meal with them. So, you know, Jesus took on a human nature, and, and, and we're flesh and blood people, and so that's how I would approach it, is just saying, what a beautiful thing. You know, when you think about the importance of meals in our life, I mean, we eat meals every day, we celebrate every important occasion, birthdays, anniversaries with, with meals. Why, it makes sense to me that God would choose to offer us a meal uh, as the way through which he wants to most enter into communion with us, because we, we feel that we're in communion with each other when we're sharing a meal. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think there's, a, you know, the, the Eucharist is a great mystery. We can't fully wrap our minds around it, but that's a good thing. But all of all of the deepest truths of life are mysteries, and um, and yet they're not irrational. They're, they're, they're super rational. They go beyond mere logic or reason, but they, they're never illogical or irrational. Nothing in our faith is. So I just think it's a beautiful thing that God has chosen to do this in this way, you know. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and then, you know, Father Rob, I wonder, too, I mean, uh, don't we have family and friends who uh, still aren't going back for a number of reasons? Uh, our son in Texas, it's a smaller parish, and just everything that's going on there, just don't feel comfortable getting back uh, with uh, with a virus and everything, you know, when mm. it might be close proximity, and so, whatever it may be. But I wonder sometimes if uh, that then becomes an excuse. So maybe not to go back. And uh, that's probably uh, Chuck Neff's uh, judgment about all of this, by the way. Let's just put that on the table. But but I just wonder, is this a time for all of us, whether we are going back, whether we're not going back for whatever reason, to reevaluate why we go to Mass? 
Yeah, I think it's a, you know, that's maybe one of the benefits of this uh, recent, you know, deprivation is it really makes us have to think, is this important to me? I, I, I'm sure there are some Catholics who say, you know, I've been without mass for months and doesn't seem to make any difference. And so I don't see the reason to go back, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, it is something that we don't necessarily, you know, right after mass, we don't necessarily feel different. We don't necessarily feel like a lot is, has happened uh, profound changes, but you know, it, it's something that over the course of a lifetime, you know, we have to believe that, uh, the Lord is at work transforming us and preparing us for that heavenly banquet for which we're created. So yeah, a lot of it, you know, comes down to, you know, what do I really believe about what's happening on that altar, on that table? And then also, how do I believe that this influences me or affects my life? You know, Kelly, uh, again, her testimony, her witness was beautiful. And, and you could tell that, you know, it really does profoundly affect her. And, and, um, so I think, yeah, it's an invitation to take stock of what this really is for yeah. us. And, um, you yeah. know, I know at, at the parish where I help out on the weekends, uh, they, they have a space available for people who uh, are not comfortable sitting in the main body of the church, and they can be, you know, be uh, watching it on a screen, but still come up and receive communion. So I think, you know, a lot of churches are trying to make accommodation mm -hmm. for people that may be concerned about COVID, but still want to come to mass and be yeah. there so father let's uh, take a uh, another phone call uh, marianne listening in woodstock illinois uh, hi marianne welcome you're on the air with father rob kroll good morning father and uh chuck thank you for taking the call um i had a kind of a similar thing i think it was to kelly but um I was really angry. I was home. I was working remotely and all that, so I was alone. But um, I was pretty angry about not being able to go back to church. And um, so one day they had, I, it was Divine Mercy Sunday, and we did a drive-by by our pastor's house, and they had a picture of the Divine Mercy and all that. So we went around there, and I guess he determined at that point that his parishioners, while he appreciated everything, that they were missing Christ. And so... Um, from that Sunday after that, at three o'clock, um, you could he had the monstrance, and there were a couple of deacons there, and um, we have a drive-through um, driveway, and so you could go and get a blessing with the Blessed Sacrament at three o'clock. And the first Sunday they did that, I'll bet the line was. I'm in a small town; it was over a mile long. I mean, the police had to come out and help direct traffic and everything. But it was so wonderful to see that and to have our um, pastor and the deacons do that for us. And then a few Sundays after that, um, they, I guess, got permission and they gave out communion at that point. And that just it was like the best thing ever. Um, it just made me feel so much more connected than just you know, watching Mass online with my community and all that. Um, and and it made so much of a difference in how I was feeling. You know, I lost a lot of my anger. And then when we did finally were able to go back to Mass, um, we could only, at the original time, they, we could only sign up for like one Mass on the schedule. And then that was it. Yeah, so that everybody could have a turn to go to Mass. And I'm like, oh. But if you were a volunteer, you didn't have to. You just would be there. So I volunteered for the whole time and um, served my parish that way. And, you know, I'll just tell you, I just, I never want to miss Mass. 
never. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great, Anne. And, you know, you, uh, I think you, as you were talking, I, I, this thought came to mind that there's a real hunger, like the fact I could see that mile-long line of cars, and it just says that people are really hungry for God, and they're hungry for spiritual nourishment. And, um, you know, I mentioned at the top of the program that one of the, the reason we call it Mass is from the Latin, you know, related to mission or missio. And I, I want to say, you know, to you and Kelly and everybody out there that um, you guys are, are really called through your baptism to be missionaries. And one of the ways you can do that is by, you know, well, you did it. You called up, and now lots of people have heard your story, too. But I think reaching out to your family, to your friends, your coworkers, and, you know, telling them, what this has been like for you, and then maybe inviting them to Mass. I've heard so many, over the years, I've heard so many uh, Catholic converts talk about how blown away they were by just being invited to Mass, and something happened, you know. There's something that God touched them deeply. And even if they don't really understand it intellectually, they just knew that there was something very sacred happening, and that led to a whole path of entering the Catholic Church. And So, uh, yeah, I just want to encourage our listeners to maybe share their own experience with, yeah. with others. Don't be afraid. Yeah, Marianne, uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate that. You know, Father Rob, I, I hear stories like that, and uh, I sometimes, uh, if I didn't believe in the in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, and I would see a story like that, I would be saying, "I wonder what they know that I don't know." <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Father Rob Kroll, our spiritual director, we've got to wrap things up today. Father Rob, we do like to close the hour with a final blessing for for all of our listeners. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this hour. We ask you to deepen within us uh, a belief in the Eucharist and a love for the Eucharist for your Son, Jesus, who comes to us in such an intimate and beautiful way. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all our listeners and remain with them forever. Amen. Amen. Father Rob Kroll, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the program. Stay tuned now. We're celebrating Mass here at the top of the hour. Don't forget 1230 Central, The Faith Explained with Kale Clark. So stay tuned with that. Uh, We are back tomorrow. Hope to see you then.